Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. Why are you rolling your eyes at me? I'm not rolling my, your, my eyes at you. The nightcap. Makes me regret that the Flyers are so garbage early in the season. Oh, right. Anybody could be making right. noise right. Right. Yeah, so let's, let's lament about the Flyers when let's the Sabres were actually in a playoff spot for the entire year. On WGR. Kyle, what is wrong with you? I can't do this. Sports Radio 550. Well, when you hear an open with a pair of childish goofballs, well, that means there's no Sneaky Joe for your nightcap. And with those Wu-Tang vibes, there is Derek Kramer and Kyle Powell taking over the nightcap here for you tonight, 7 to 9. It's been a while. I mean, I got to go on a week ago about Jeff Skinner. That was a, that was a great day. That was a fantastic feeling. I was listening that morning. It was a good day. A lot yes. of good discussions. I offered you an option. Yes, which we will talk about these which sorts we will of things discuss. in a bit. But, you know, Kyle, it's been a while for you to jump in front of a microphone that isn't for just the updating of things. Though I do like when you update me on what's going on. And we'll update you with what we think about what's going on. It's a nightcap. We'll talk about... Plenty of things today about the Sabres, what they do next. Of course, we'll talk with Brian Kozil about some of the U.S. Open, as Kyle mentioned in the update. It's Rose up at the top at the leaderboard there. And then, of course, you can listen to Brian Kozil, Kevin Sylvester, and Jeff Metis tomorrow morning on Tita Green as well. But the first thing I want to do is I just – want to let people know just how annoyed I am about the Ryan O'Reilly backlash, I should say, about what happened with Ryan O'Reilly and him winning the con Smythe and me thinking, so what? There's a lot of reasons for this sort of opinion. And the first one for me with Ryan O'Reilly is this. Good for him. It's awesome that the guy and his hard work paid off his team wins the Stanley Cup but if you were mad about the trade before then yeah then you're allowed to just stay mad about the trade you don't get more mad because the guy won the con Smythe you're just mad that you didn't like the trade in the first place for those that you know it's like your attitude changed when Ryan O'Reilly suddenly become the playoffs MVP no that's not how this works that's not what needs to happen here if you didn't like the trade, you didn't like the trade. And you should stay consistent on it. doesn't mean that you're allowed to just get more angry just because of the fact that the St. Louis Blues happened to win the Stanley Cup. It's really kind of stupid in that. But for me, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about Ryan O'Reilly winning the Conn Smythe Trophy? Why do people have a problem with it? Is it because he was a former Sabre and they traded him away? Well, guess what? You should have been mad about it even when they were in last place, the St. Louis Blues, in January. You should have been mad about it when the Blues were slowly climbing the standings. 
it's not a big deal that a former Sabre won playoff MVP. The trade was going to look bad no matter what in the short term. You took on salary for Vladimir Saboka and Patrick Berglund. You were not getting good players out of those. You got those because you took salary on. The important thing for the Sabres is going to be, what do you do about Tage Thompson? What do you do about the 31st overall pick? Making those assets matter in the long term and not losing in this deal, or at least trying to make up ground on it. If you don't like what I'm saying, well, bring it. 803-0551-888-552-550. I think that this Ryan O'Reilly thing, it's it's got to stop. Like, yeah, the trade didn't look good. But that doesn't mean that we have to just keep crapping on it because of the fact that Ryan O'Reilly just so happened to become the playoff MVP. It is one of the biggest factors with St. Louis winning the Cup was Ryan O'Reilly's performance in the playoffs. But O'Reilly and the Blues don't get there without Jordan Bennington. O'Reilly and the Blues have nothing to do with the playoffs if Bennington doesn't come in and play all-world goaltending. If St. Louis even got competent goaltending from Chad Johnson and Jake Allen, Bennington wouldn't have happened. They probably would have been a playoff team, but not the Stanley Cup champions. But yeah, no, it's all it's all the Sabres' fault that St. Louis won it. It's the Sabres' fault that this sort of thing happened. Look, they were looking to trade O'Reilly anyway. But that doesn't mean that it's worse because Ryan O'Reilly got the con Smythe. No. If it was a bad trade, it's a bad trade. If it's... If you didn't like it, you didn't like it. I had the sense, and hey, I don't care about admitting this, that I could be wrong. I had the sense that they were going to do it and that they felt like they should. And he he's still the best player in the deal. So there is always a risk of looking bad in those sort of situations. Ask the Carolina Hurricanes. Jeff Skinner was the best player in that deal that involved a second, a third, a sixth-round pick, and Cliff Poo. Generally, the best player that moves hands, you know, that's the reason you can win or lose a trade. And yes, the return was dreadful for the first year. Vladimir Savoka is probably one of the most hated Sabres I've seen in a while. And the guy only played one season so far. Patrick Berglund turned into cap relief, which is actually fantastic for the Sabres. And we'll talk more about cap space in a little bit when we go with free agent options. But now looking at the Sabres cap situation, you don't have Patrick Berglund and $4.5 million on your cap for three more seasons. That looked pretty dreadful to me. And now Berglund turns into sweet, sweet cap relief. And I'm all for that. Tage Thompson? Well, we could talk about Tage Thompson. And I'd be willing to talk about Tage Thompson. And I think that your attitude about Tage Thompson can change for a couple of different reasons. 803-0551-888-552-550. I got to swing over to get this mouse. Unprepared. Maximum effort. There we go. That was that was great radio right there. Fantastic radio. See, hearing me move to go get the mouse. So, Ben, you're on the nightcap. What's going on, Ben? 
Hey, what's up, man? I'm so happy you're talking about people stop talking about Ryan O'Reilly, the guy. I mean, he he did his he did what he had to do, and you know, and we did what we had to do, and and yeah, let's start talking about Tate Thompson. I mean, I I called in to Sneaky Joe last night, and he totally shut me down about talking about Ryan O'Reilly. Well, what does it matter? You know what I mean? Like it's 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 over and done with. Exactly, it's over and done with, and it's one of those things where. You can't help but feel good for the guy. Thanks for calling, Ben. And the big thing for me is this. I get annoyed about people that try to make a bigger deal about Ryan O'Reilly because he won the con Smythe. It's supposed to make the trade look that much worse. No. It's just still what it was. What matters for the Sabres is what they got. It's not about what Ryan O'Reilly does. I don't hear anyone bitching about Vander Kane at this point. I don't hear any complaints there. Why? Because we used the pick for the Evander Kane trade, and we turned it into Brandon Montour. <laughs> I don't hear anyone complaining about it. That's just the nature of the business. But the thing is, hey, what a shock here. O'Reilly goes ahead and does something, winning a cup, and everyone is all of a sudden up in arms. No, that's not how this works. You either like the trade or you don't like the trade. And it's okay. You don't have to go ahead and, for example, write about it, saying that it was a necessary thing, and then go ahead and flip it, saying, oh, at the moment, that's what I thought it should have been. No, just say, just take the L. I can take the L and say, yeah, they, <laughs> they ended up getting hurt in this one. But what matters to me now is what can you do about that pick? What can you do about Tage Thompson? What can you do about the future of this for the long term so that you make up ground in the trade? You were going to lose the short term. You traded the best player in the deal. So it doesn't matter that he won the Conn Smythe Trophy. That should not matter. That's what this is really all about. This is just finding ways to make people miserable. To drive another narrative about, oh, hey, Buffalo can't do anything right. Look! The deal happened, and you can be mad about it when it happened. Him winning the consummation should have no weight whatsoever on what you think about the trade. Matt, you're on the nightcap. What's going on here, Matt? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Well, it's a nice day out. I mean, can't complain. It is a nice day. So I, I don't want to come across as a jerk. But I do have something that I would like to say. All right. Well, thank you for the warning. For some reason, and the only thing that I can fathom is that we're so invested in Jack Eichel that people at this radio station don't want to make Jack look like the bad guy in this whole thing. But early on, when there was turmoil, when Ryan O'Reilly was still here, Everyone knew that Ryan O'Reilly and Jack Eichel did not like each other. Actually, Ryan O'Reilly hated Jack Eichel and had conflict with him from day one. And that's the reason why Ryan O'Reilly isn't here. And I don't even care one way or another. I mean, it's, it, it's done. It's over with. It, it had to happen. But for the, the thing that bothers me is even Paul Hamilton, who reported on this story several hundreds of times, now won't talk about it. Jeremy has gone as far all week in the morning as to say, 
well, there's reasons why he's not here. But he said today, but none of them have to do with the fact that he didn't want to be here and he was a problem here. And that is an absolute fallacy, and it is a totally different narrative now than it was three months ago, six months ago, 12 months ago. Everybody at your radio station reported on this story. Everyone knew that those two people hated each other, or more Ryan O'Reilly was the one that had the bigger problem with Jack than than a young Jack had with Ryan O'Reilly. But now we're talking about it in in totally different terms, and and that's the kind of the thing that bothers me is the reporting on this issue is turned into something other than what was the truth and what had been the truth for so long. And I'm wondering what your comment is on that. All right, well, my comment is going to be this, Matt. Thanks for the call. And here it is. There was no proof of this. It was not more reporting more than it was speculation. That's what we got on that story. And as a matter of fact, both players came out publicly in interviews saying, oh, we decided to start messing with each other. You know, like the fist bump gate. Oh, man, Eichel didn't fist bump with Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, me. Oh, my. Holy crap. What do we do? Mass panic time. No, that's not what that was. They started openly messing with the media because people were going ahead and jumping the gun on this sort of thing. Now, I'm not Jeremy. I'm not Paul. I'm not anyone else at this station. I'm me. I'm a blabbering idiot and an E-list guy on this roster at this station. There is no proof that the two didn't like each other, and there is no proof that players cannot win games despite not liking each other. It's elementary. I could play in a game with Kyle right now, and I think Kyle's a jerk, for example. I don't think Kyle's a jerk, by the way. I appreciate that. Yeah, I have to clear that up before using this example. I'm just not going to fist bump you for two weeks. We'll let that story run. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But I could think someone's a jerk. But at the end of the day, if I'm a professional athlete and I'm getting paid to win hockey games, I'm going to put that aside. And if a player really is that petty, then yeah, the trade does have to happen. But there's no proof that this happened. There is no proof at the anger that these two could have had. And I'm not responsible for anyone else. I'm responsible for what I have to say, and that's it. I cannot and I will not answer for what they said or what you think they said. Because that's not my job. Jack Eichel was in Boston for Game 7 as well. Oh, yeah. You know, Congratulatory. Pe- people, people really hate on someone when they, uh, they visit they, to go hate watch somebody. You know, they take the time out to... Uh, Go ahead and watch someone again. You know, Eichel is on social media immediately congratulating Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, that sounds like a guy who hates someone. (laughs) Like I said, we don't have proof of that. As a matter of fact, there's more proof to the counter-argument. What I do know is this. With Ryan O'Reilly, it's simple as this. Ryan O'Reilly was never going to be the guy here. And yes, possibly there could have been some form of resentment in this sort of scenario. But it does affect minutes and usage. I don't think Ryan O'Reilly's complaining about the fact that Brayden Shen's hanging out there as a center in St. Louis, right? We didn't hear anything about that. Why? Because they're winning. We didn't even hear so much about discord with Ryan O'Reilly in Colorado because they went to the playoffs every now and then. 
when they had Nathan McKinnon and Matt Duchesne ahead of, ahead of O'Reilly in the pecking order at center. This whole thing about Ryan O'Reilly didn't like Jack Eichel. And it was speculated. But I can't answer that. And I'm not going to. What I know is this. Is that I know there's no proof of it. There is no solid evidence of the claim. And after everything after that, for me, it's kind of bunk. They traded him. They had their reasons to trade him. And one of those was, hey, one of the speculated reasons about the trade was Ryan O'Reilly's a slow skater. Phil Housley, the fit in the system won't be there. Well, I guess that's what happens when you follow the coach that doesn't know how to coach defense despite being a Hall of Fame defenseman. <sighs> Always hurts for me to say that. But at the same time, the biggest thing for me is you're always going to look like the loser in the short term. You traded the best player in the deal. Guaranteed. Your job is to make sure that your return is worth a damn. And that's about Tage Thompson. That's about the 31st overall pick. Whether you trade it to get a player to help you right now or draft someone, you better hit on that damn pick. And as for Tage Thompson, let's talk about Tage Thompson real quick. There's something that really annoys me about Sabres Twitter with Tage Thompson. It seems that there are people, because of the bad season that he happened to have, that expect or even some seem to want him to fail from what it seems like, what it reads or what it sounds like, is that they don't even want this guy here anymore because he had one bad season in his second professional year. First off, the hell's wrong with you if you make it sound like you want the man to fail. Real good fandom you got there. But the other thing about it is this. Why are you getting mad at the player when it was possible that they just mismanaged his development? Tage Thompson did not have a good year. Duh. I don't, I don't really need to be reminded of that. But something tells me, and Kyle, help me out with this. Joe and I had this conversation off the air. Hanging out a little bit before Joe had to start working for Chopin Bulldog. And it was this question that was very interesting. The question was, what happens if Tage Thompson gets sent down earlier? What happens if he's playing in Rochester and just ruling for the Americans and kind of showing a little more promise in that instead of struggling in the NHL? What happens if Tage Thompson was not on the opening day roster? What if he was in Rochester and he was putting up points there? Thriving and developing. What's your opinion then? There will be a ton, ton more excitement for oh, what's to come to this guy. Holy I mean, crap. Seven goals in the entire season in Buffalo, and what happens when he goes down to Rochester for the playoffs? He scored, I think he scored four goals. It was almost his entire output Yeah, in like a week and a half. He had nine points, I think, in eight games. And it just goes to tell you and goes to show you that there was a little bit of mismanagement. I think upper management and people in the organization were trying to prove right off the rip that they had something, that they had promise coming back immediately for the Ryan O'Reilly trade. And when the reality was, as we've talked about, you were going to lose the short term. Prepare Tate Thompson for the long term. Yes, you need to properly handle that development. Now you need to kind of save face on this player because everyone's like, oh, Tate Thompson's terrible. Right, because two years in on someone's professional career, we can always just write it off. That's how that works, right? 
Meanwhile, Victor Olofsson heading into his age 25 season, and hey, there's a lot of hope about him cracking the top six all of a sudden. Hey, maybe he fills in with a uh, with a second line as a gunner. Don't give up on someone just because they had a bad season right away. But no, we're miserable nowadays because we have the longest playoff drought in the NHL, and nothing is great, everything sucks, and people are complaining about Jeff Skinner getting $9 million a year when you got to keep your stars. But hey, the hell do I know? 803-0551, We'll talk a little uh, peachier side of things. We'll also hit up some U.S. Open talk as well with Brian Koziel in this hour. Darren Drager was on with the instigators talking about free agent options. I would love to tap into that. Let's talk a little happier stuff. Bills, minicamp, said and done. Training camp schedule is out. If you got any thoughts on that, love to hear that too. This is the Nightcap. There's no sneaky Joe, but Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell here filling in. Thanks for listening. This is WGR. something special for me you know how the last year everybody was looking at me I stayed true to myself and I had a great support system and once I got here to Toronto they understood everything and the mood kept moving from there Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors NBA champions I'm going to deviate from something that I don't normally do and that is, I'm going to talk about the NBA, the state of the NBA, and you know, expressing not just how awesome it's got to feel for Toronto to win that championship, but also, you know, Kawhi Leonard, the what could be the downfall of a dynasty in the Warriors, and the entire landscape of the NBA could be just shifted now after what happened with these finals. First off, it's just awesome that Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors take home the NBA final with uh, their first appearance. They go one for one, and Kawhi Leonard still might leave. Do you think that might be the best one-hit wonder in professional sports? A player's just there, wins, leaves? Dude, that's a loaded question. I'm going to have to try and think of some other examples. Because it's just – It's got to be up there. It's got to be up there. Guy shows up. If not gives a you one of the most awkward laughs of all time. And then... <laughs> there it is. There it is. Gives you one of the most awkward laughs of all time and then goes ahead and just wins you the NBA championship against a juggernaut. But they got some help. Injuries on injuries for Golden State not only ruined what is the makeup of their roster, but has now kind of shifted the entire dynamic of the NBA. Steph Curry is still Steph Curry, even though he's got to know how many timeouts he's got. But you saw a more, clearly more mortal team with the Warriors without Kevin Durant. You saw a team that is beatable, fun, exciting, still really good, but beatable with 
Curry and Clay Thompson there headlining everything. Draymond to me still is just a background guy, supporting cast dude, kind of like Andre Iguodala. But for me, it just it was it's Steph and Clay, and then Kevin Durant annoyed the hell out of everyone by showing up, and they became just really that good. Durant gets injured. The NBA Finals are back and forth between Toronto and Golden State. Durant comes back. And that game five, it looked like everything was just going to go downhill for the Raptors. Durant comes in, game five, 11 points, four for four shooting, and you're just like, oh, God, here we go. The Golden State nightmare is back. And then, unfortunately, his Achilles just tears up and that's it for Kevin Durant not just for the finals but probably all of next year changes the absolute complexion of the free agent class too and where guys are probably thinking of going you know who well. I feel the most bad for in all of this other than Kevin Durant of course who got injured like Kevin Durant's a villain and I never really loved the fact that he went to Golden State but you don't wish a guy to rupture his Achilles so, of course, I feel bad for Kevin Durant. But, first off, Knicks fans. First off, for being Knicks fans. Because as a Bills and Sabres fan, I can let you know, uh, dude, there's no hope, buddy. For you Knicks fans, there's no hope. Coming from a Bills and Sabres fan. I feel bad for you for being Knicks fans. As a Bills and Sabres fan. But then second, the hope was... Hey, maybe we can land Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in free agency. Well, there's now reports that Kyrie Irving likes Brooklyn and the Nets organization more than the Knicks, and Kevin Durant's Achilles turned into finely shredded leg meat. So your hopes are gone. Again. So please tell me how the hell the New York Knicks are 12-1 to favorites to win next year's NBA Finals. <laughs> How does that even happen? But now, in addition to Kevin Durant getting hurt, Klay Thompson is hurt. So now the Warriors aren't even the same team. They're not even what I would call the favorites to win the West. Portland looks really good. Denver is awesome. Utah still with Donovan Mitchell and what they can do. LeBron and the Lakers. First becoming an afterthought. Now, well, if they do the right thing this year and Magic Johnson doesn't torpedo the organization, the Lakers could be a thing and a very viable threat for the NBA Finals. And in the Eastern Conference, it's always just this free-for-all. The Raptors came out of it this time. The Bucks are really good. The Sixers, is the process finally going to go ahead and elevate? I'm sure Kyle would like to hear that to be a yes. Hey, at least they can say that this season came down to losing to the eventual champion. And on a dramatic bucket, no less. That will go down in history for that franchise. And then where does Kawhi Leonard go? Does he stay in Toronto? And if he does stay in Toronto, then Toronto is probably a favorite to win the East again. Who knows? Everything has been spun on its head after these finals. Not all for the right reasons because two big-name players got hurt. And it's an unfortunate thing to have happen. But this year, it was far more enjoyable to watch. Maybe because of the fact that uh, (laughs) 
Golden State wasn't the dominant juggernaut throughout the playoffs. Yes, injury was the reason why. But everything was back and forth. Because you see that Western Conference final and they just brush aside Portland. And you're just like, oh boy, this could be bad. But I'm going to have hope for Toronto to actually do this. Once Golden State looked mortal, everything was a lot more fun for me to take in with this league. And it is such an entertaining league. It really is. They know how to market. And now that there's not this one dominant dynasty all of a sudden, and again, it's a shame how it happened, but I'm very intrigued now about what's going to happen with the NBA and free agency. NBA offseason is chaotic. You think the NHL could be crazy? Oh, man. It's got nothing. It's got nothing on the NBA in the offseason. There's so much about player movement and big names moving. And maybe Toronto helped kill the super team thing. That's a pipe dream for me to say that. But hey, there's hope. Kawhi Leonard has taken down not one but now two super teams on a chance for a three-peat. Did it to the Miami Heat. With Duncan and them Spurs. And Boris Diaw. And Boris Diaw. Lest we not forget. <laughs> Boris Diaw. But yeah, no, this is it. I'm really intrigued now to see what happens because the league is kind of uh, a little more wide open. And who knows what happens. And that, for me, is always more interesting. That, for me, is always going to be more entertaining. That's why I love hockey. That's why I love the NHL. Uh, okay, that's why I love the NHL because... Such a beautiful sport could be ruined by such a garbage league and commissioner, but I digress. We don't have the time for that. Oh, I think we have the time. That's another episode. As to why, like, what's wrong with the NHL. But hockey is beautiful in the fact that a team that you couldn't see coming ends up winning. Look at the St. Louis Blues. They didn't even win their division. And the St. Louis Blues storm on through. The first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs was chaos I don't want in to itself. Talk about it. I don't want to talk about that it. That was hilarious. Dude, I went 2-6 and six in the first round of my picks, and I'm not alone. The Tampa Bay Lightning go ahead and just become the league's biggest joke. And then the Calgary Flames followed up. Oh, you were one seed that got swept aside? Well, we're going to lose in an actual series, but we're still going to lose. One seed's already done. All but every division winner lost. That's what makes hockey so awesome to me is that chaos, that random action that you can get. And that's why I'm loving what's going on here with the makeup of what could be for the NBA. I hate what happened because you don't wish injury on players. But the NBA is about to be spun on its head, and I'm ready to see what happens. So there you go. For people that like talking some hardwood, nice little refreshing change of pace for you. You're welcome. For people that are annoyed about it, well, you're, it's done. You stomach through the segment. We did it. All right. Congrats. Because we're going to sw- switch on to uh, the U.S. Open. Because we're going to talk to Brian Koziel coming up here after the break. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, we're rolling the nightcap here for you tonight as this sneak has uh, snuck out of the building. Oh, well. I'm glad to take over. Happy that you're listening. 803-0551, 888-552-550. Talk about Sabres, Bills, anything that's on your mind. 
right here on the Nightcap on WGR. I don't mind it if I'm going to hit good putts and they're just going to miss. And, you know, that happened today. Uh, ball striking was tremendously better today. I was very pleased with it. I don't know how many greens I hit and how many fairways I hit, but I felt like I was in on the green quite a bit. Um, never really felt like I had to work. Um, it was quite an easy round. Quite an easy round for Brooks Kepka, who has he's had a nice first and second round. Four under par. I'm not even going to honor that. <laughs> what? What did I do? Chris Kepka, he's had a nice couple of rounds so far throughout. He is four under, which is three strokes off the lead. That belongs to Justin Rose through two rounds. He's at seven under. The rest of the leaderboard looking like so. Louis Astusen at six under. Aaron Wise, Rory McIlroy, and Gary Woodland at five under. And then a... Uh, it's called a medley of golfers at uh, four under so far. This is the nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, and soon to be joining us on the Western Hotline will be Brian Koziel to talk more on the U.S. Open. Last segment, we got into some NBA talk. A little bit on the hardwood about how the NBA could be flipped on its head. First segment was a little more of a, an angry one as... You know, talked about Ryan O'Reilly, the impact of him winning the consmite shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't be a concern that Ryan O'Reilly won the consmite. It should just be you liked the trade or you didn't like the trade, and you could be wrong about it and be willing to admit it. You don't have to go ahead and write something about it and then say, for example, oh, hey, at the moment, I thought it was a good deal, and now I think at the moment now – I think it's a good idea to rip it in everything in every way to shreds. So you got no Brian Cozier yet? No Brian Cozier yet. It's okay. We'll hang out and we'll talk to Brian Cozier at first opportunity. He's a busy man. He is a busy man. And you'll hear plenty from Brian as well as Cal Sylvester and Jeff Metis when Tita Green is on tomorrow morning, two-hour special for the U.S. Open, as they do for every major throughout the season. You'll get two hours of them, 7 to 9 a.m. tomorrow morning right here on WGR. So it's always fun. And for me, it's fun to work that show. I mean, I get to, I get to play the dopest of beats, and it's great golf talk. Not just around what's going on on the national tour, on the national stage. Anything local as well, they bring up for you as well. I'm not going to go ahead and continue to putz around here. We'll just talk about something else for the moment. And I would say it's this. Bills. Minicamp done. Next up, training camp. Schedule's out. They talked about it on One Bills Live today as Sean McDermott joined the show earlier today. And I think that there is something interesting to... There was something interesting that I got out of that. That Kyle, chime in on this if you if you think that I'm speaking silly here, but to me it really sounds like this regime, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, they do not want to be going out to Rochester anymore. I wouldn't be shocked. It just sounds like they're a team, like they're they're guys that 
They want to stay in Buffalo. They want to stay focused on everything. And they think it might be a highly unnecessary for them to travel to go to training camp. For me, I'd say, just for enjoyment purposes, you might be ruining a good thing. Training camp, for example, at the stadium and at the field house, it just wouldn't feel the same. And I don't think you'd get the maximum fan engagement that you do with the fact that it is out there at St. John Fisher College because Bills fans, they're willing to travel down the 90 to go check out some practices. You can get the fan engagement on that. You can get everything you want out of it. And again, I'm saying this selfishly. I think they'd be making a mistake just because I like going out there and checking out the training camp practices at St. John Fisher. I think that that's something that selfishly I want to continue to happen. How dare you be so selfish? I'm admitting it, at least. That's true. That is the first step. First step to admitting, first step to a problem is admitting that there is a problem, and then you address it from there. But I don't want to address it. I just want them to just keep going to St. John Fisher because I don't mind making that drive either. It's always fun. And I know plenty of people probably agree with that, that it's always fun to go out there. It's a different, it's a different feel. And you get the, uh, and, and the players get away from it for a little while, and they're at camp. I just feel like if you have it at the stadium, like the practices at New Era Field, it just it doesn't feel the same to me. That's how that is. But otherwise, with the Bills, man, I would make fun of the Jets with that tweet with culture over strategy thing if not for the fact that I think this Bills regime has said that before. Sean McDermott's definitely that guy with the culture over strategy. So I can't really make fun of the Jets for that. I can make fun of the Jets for botching their front office and for Adam Gase's googly eyes. But I can't really make fun of them for that tweet about culture over strategy or whatever that was. No, you nailed it. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. He said it. McDermott said that before. Like, <laughs> And if he didn't, he's probably implied it. Oh, well. But again, I can make fun of the Jets for other reasons. I can make fun of the Jets for being the Jets. I can make fun of the Jets for Adam Gase being a power-hungry, crazy blah-blah who just decides he needs all of the power in the world and he's going to get rid of anything and anyone that is in his way. And he wants his guys and he's still going to lose with his guys because guess what happened in Miami? He lost with his guys and his locker room and people that answered to him. You egomaniac. It's what happens. <laughs> I just think that the Jets are a goofy little team. And yes, I know the Bills. They had that 17-year playoff drought. But guess what? The Bills have now made it more recently than the Jets. The Bills are keeping their offensive coordinator around so second-year quarterback doesn't get confused all the time with a new offense. Not that I don't think Sam Darnold's not capable of learning a new offense. Could be down a weapon. Could be down a weapon. Week one and two as well. Yeah, it's one of those things where I really think, though, that I feel good about the Bills. 
I'm feeling all right about the Sabres, too, because they made a nice, you know, they made the smart move, I should say, not nice. They made the smart move making sure that they got Jeff Skinner, kept him around. Yeah, they had to pay a lot of money to do it, but they kept him around because the last thing I need is for this Sabres team to let another star go for nothing. (laughs) So who knows what happens there? I just know, though, that I feel good about this Bills season. I feel good about everything, and it all hinges on Josh Allen. It all hinges on number 17. It all hinges on what he can do in his second season, how he can step up. Everything about it is just going to hinge on what happens with Josh Allen in this offense. We know the defense is good. We know that the running game is probably going to get back on track because they addressed the entire offensive line. They were probably one of the worst run-blocking line gr- lineman groups of the entire league last year. You couldn't get push on the offensive line. It was terrible. <laughs> but who knows? But I feel good. I like their chances to at least compete and at least have a shot. What I don't know is if, for example, 9-7 and seven is good enough. That's Brian. Let's talk for five minutes. All right. But now, I don't need to go ahead and talk more about the Bills. They're done for a little while. You know what's not done? U.S. Open. And now on the Western Hotline, it's our friend Brian Cozio. Brian, what's going on? What's going on, Derek? How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It's a, it's a very nice day outside, and I can tell that you're enjoying it. I am. Yes, I'm outside currently. But, uh, yeah, it, the U.S. Open is going on, and been pretty good here i've been kind of following it all day and it's like rory mcelroy is making a charge here to try to get the lead before tomorrow ends up starting he won last week at the canadian open uh and hamilton so maybe there's even people listening right now that went and saw him win last week but yeah he's i thought he was definitely a favorite coming in sometimes though the responsibilities of winning with sponsor obligations media obligations obviously the travel from canada to California like that's a that's a pretty good call to do that but these guys I guess are used to traveling so much so sometimes winning back-to-back weeks is a tough task but he's putting himself in position to give himself a good run at it yeah and not to mention though with uh with Rory McIlroy as you said he's you know he just won at the Canadian Open and he's still one of those bigger names though that you know you like you would want to see some sort of consistency from McIlroy throughout and it just it's never been there uh, not since the start from him being on the Pro Tour, Brian. So it would be nice to see McElroy kind of storm in here and uh, try to take a lead, maybe even heading into the third day. Yeah, I mean, when Rory first came onto the scene and when he was a little younger and won those couple of majors right away, people were thinking, wow, this guy could, you know, we're always looking for who's the next Tiger. And, you know, the answer, the correct answer is that there won't be another next Tiger. I just don't think that anybody's going to be that way. So, you know, and I, I think when you look at it, you know, he has been on quite a little spell as a, or quite a, I, I don't want to use the word slump. I mean, I just think it's unfair. I think the field's so deep right now. But I think, you know, for him to get a major that he hasn't had in now four seasons, I think this is about the time for him to kind of get back going. When he's on his game, he's just as good as anybody. I, I might say he is as close to anybody that would be a Tiger Woods-esque when he's playing his A game and I would give him the best chance going to the weekend. If he kind of stays where he's at right now, I just, he drives the ball better than anybody. If he can put the ball in the fairway with how far he hits it. 
I think he's the guy to beat right now. And the other thing, though, Brian, about that is, uh, you know, McElroy is obviously playing well lately, but so is uh, Brooks Kepka. And Kepka, four under through two rounds. And, you know, probably, I would say, the most consistent golfer on the tour as of right now. No doubt about it. I mean, can't keep we can't have a discussion about who's going to win without thinking about him too. I mean, he's at the moment only four back, two more under par today, had a very good day. His short game is something that I think people should really, if they're watching this weekend, watch how good his short game is. I mean, you look, think about Brooks Kepka. Okay. He smashes the ball. His arms are bigger than a truck. Like, and he's won two U S opens in a row. I mean, he could do it and win three in a row. I mean, we're talking about historic stuff. The last guy to do it was back in 1905 to win three in a row. So, I mean, he would definitely be in some pretty impressive company, and that'd be his fifth major. I mean, that that's Hall of Fame stuff right there, and he's still at a young age. So he's got some motivation to give himself basically modern golf history here to win three U.S. Opens in a row. He's definitely in it. If he's making putts, he didn't make as many today as I'm sure he would have liked. He was in good opportunities, but as long as he keeps giving himself opportunities, these greens at Pebble Beach are small. You hit greens, you probably, when you walk up to every putt, are going to think you've got a chance to make it. So you're definitely right, Derek, that, you know, picking and keeping an eye on Kepka, even though he's only going to be, he could be three back at Justin Rose going into tomorrow or whatever McElroy ends up at, he'll definitely be a factor, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, like you just said, he won the last two U.S. Opens. He's got the most recent PGA Championship and the one before that as well. So it would be pretty impressive to see Kepka come away with a, a fifth major here so quickly. As you said, he's he's a young golfer himself and a guy that you could always look at. Tiger Woods, is he going to be able to make this cut here, Brian? What's going on here with, uh, with Tiger? I think Tiger's definitely going to make the weekend. It looks as though the cut's going to be somewhere around the plus two number. So I and he's at even. So I think he should be fine to play this weekend. Now, in terms of him being in contention to win, he played really, really conservative today. He made a ton of pars in a row. He, at one point, I think had like 12 consecutive pars. He finished with a couple of bogeys. I think two bogeys in his last three. Um, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't seen him kind of lock in to be aggressive enough right now that I think I would say he can make a run. I think he's got to make sure he's accurate off the tee. There's no doubt about that. If he's accurate off the tee, then he can definitely go after pins and try to maybe make some putts to get himself some birdies. But he didn't look today like he was playing aggressive enough, in my opinion, that he can go out now and maybe shoot like four or five under, which I now that he's going to be at least seven back, that's what he's going to have to do. Probably tomorrow, if he thinks he's got a chance to win, he's going to have to go out and at least maybe be four or five under. That's a tough task to do. And for as much as I'd be rooting for it to happen, I just I just don't see it. It just doesn't look like he's kind of in full attack mode at the moment. All right, Brian, I'll ask you one more and kind of put you on the spot. Sorry. Uh, but throughout these first two rounds of what we've seen so far and the surge that McElroy is making, who would you put as your favorite to uh, take home the U.S. Open here? I would probably, to me, uh, of the guys at the top, if you're forcing me to pick one, I would go with McElroy. Still the best driver of the golf ball on tour when he's driving it well. And putting looks like that's not an issue right now. He seems to be very confident. He won last week. This guy knows about the stage. We Obviously, he can handle the pressure. 
So out of the guys at the top right now, I think McElroy's the guy to beat. All right, Brian, and I'm sure we'll hear plenty more from you, Kevin Sylvester, and Jeff Metis tomorrow morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Thank you, Derek. Looking forward to talking to you bright and early. Yep, and I'll, I'll be ready with the dopest of beats. That's right, two hours worth. Two hours worth of tea to green <laughs> tomorrow morning on WGR. Brian, thanks. All right, Derek, thanks a lot. That was Brian Koziel on our West Her Hotline talking about the U.S. Open, and as we just mentioned, two hours tomorrow of tea to green, 7 to 9 a.m., right here on WGR. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, will be taking a break, come back with you next hour, and hey, what's next for the Sabres? Why don't we talk a little more happy and go get it about this team? We'll play back Darren Drager from this morning on the Instigators. He takes a look at the free agent market and, among other things, plenty to talk about there in the NHL as the offseason is now in full swing. We've already got trades in the NHL. And Kyle's shaking his head. What? What? Are you not happy the Flyers got rid of Racco Goose? You should be thankful that you don't have an automatic suspension walking on your roster. 8030551888552550. If you've got trade targets or free agent targets for the Sabres, give us a shout. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell. This is the Nightcap right here on WGR. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.